This is the Agile Thoughts Podcast, and I'm Lance Kine. Well, hi, I'm Troy. I'm, um, I'm a consultant in the metrics and the forecasting space. And I guess, you know, the question you always get is, how do you describe yourself to your mother? So uh, when my mother was alive, she said, I don't know what you do. And at first I sort of said, I help people move post-it notes and avoid paper cuts, a la Kanban. Then I sort of said, what do I do now? I teach mathematics, simple mathematics to executives. This is a series with Troy McGinnis, Man of Metrics. And today we have a special guest. Peter Minowski, I'm a technical coach um, helping teams do things right. And I'm interested in how to achieve that balance of doing things right against doing the right thing and doing things sustainably and at quality. So I'm interested in Troy's way of approaching metrics. The part that's sort of interesting to me is that all the tools that we have don't do that predictability analysis that I know of. Yeah. I know. Um, so that's where those hard content promises, you know, come in without really understanding a chance of success, right? Um and that's the issue, is that the probability isn't, isn't a term used in our industry enough. <laughs> and um, it is in other industries, with, uh, in other high-risk industries. It is a very commonly taught and used tool in the tool sets of choice. So you won't find financial software ever give a forecast of sales without error bars around it or without sort of uh, anything like that. But we were expected to give a delivery date of something to the day. That's that's a really odd sort of odd, odd conundrum. Do you think such a tool is possible to build that will be of general use? Oh, God, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like, because what do you need to be and test predictability? You need... You need to be able to go back and see if you could predict today from recent data that you have. So even when I go into a company and I'm grabbing throughput team data and, and I'm doing a forecast of what feature is going to be done in three months' time, I go back a month, hide the most recent data, and see if I could predict where we actually got to today using that data. And if I can do that, I can move forward. And that means our tools could also do the same analysis. My model of forecasting the future was able to forecast accurately the last month, plus or minus five days, which means I'm now going to forecast forward for you a month, plus or minus five days, right? And the moment that that stops being true, the moment that your simple model of forecasting cannot predict something that recently was known to occur, then you need to put your hand up and sort of saying, we're clueless. I would be giving you a forecast now based on nothing more than intuition. And that sort of, uh, even if the tool could just tell us that it doesn't look like history is playing out in the future, that is good information for us to understand our systems and the predictability of our systems. So I think 
it, we could come up with a I, – I, I would like the tools – Vendors, not just to do a chart that sort of shows throughput and cycle time, but to show a forecast of what throughput and cycle time is in the future and also in the past. And if the throughput forecast for the past doesn't match, then I have no faith that the throughput forecast in the future is going to match. So it's as simple as that. And we would never do forecasting in other fields without back-testing something that recently happened to make sure that the model just didn't have a simple error in it. Is like Jira and Rally interested in paying you a licensing fee to build some of these models? How would that happen? Some of them, I mean, I've done some work for all of them uh, in different ways. The industry itself isn't yet at a level where it's asking for those features as a reason to buy one tool over another. Like it, it uh, implementing the features which enable safe to occur is a marketable feature that is going to allow more sales of Jira or version one or rally to a new large segment of need. But a slightly better chart is not that. (laughs) It should be, but it's not. So part of the stuff and the reason I give stuff away for free is to try and drive and put pressure onto the tool vendors to catch up in areas that they're not being seen behind. Most of the vendors call me in and, and like, they, because even the simple things, um, they're still at the lowest common denominator of charts, If to be honest. There are some add-ons, at least the Jira add-on market has some add-ons which are heading in the right direction. Oh, right. But the the approaches of those add-ons isn't doesn't have a coherent structure. The approach, meaning, okay, so add-ons usually don't have a coherent structure, so I'm not sure uh, what, no, no, where you're they, going there. was someone's hobby project that turned into something that they, they, they wanted out of JIRA that they hope someone else wants out of JIRA. Okay. But if we sort of said that if we wanted to improve overall organizational performance, we would be looking at the reason work is blocked and the reason dependencies happen. So I have another product which is sold called BlockDAP. If you go to blockdap.com, you'll see it's a system that just tracks when work is not flowing. doesn't track the items. It sort of says that I'm blocked on legal because I don't have a privacy statement. And it collects that sort of lead time of waiting on legal to respond to you and forecast using that data. So, you know, the tools do not track the data we need to improve flow the most, which isn't that the work is appearing to be worked on. It's that the work is not being worked on because it's sitting idle because someone needs something from someone else. So uh, whether it's blocked now because of a known reason or whether it may be blocked in the future because another team isn't going to pick it up, a dependency is just a blocker that hasn't occurred yet. And it will occur unless I actually sort of uh, say this is the highest priority, so don't don't sit on it. Please do it straight away, right? So BlockDAP is my sort of contribution to trying to get people to start understanding the causes work doesn't move, prioritizing them and fixing them. And the main reason that work doesn't move is – I emailed you six weeks ago that I needed the privacy statement. Did you remember to do that? Oh, shit, forgot. So, you know, it turns out that the biggest improvement in flow is just nudging people that 
someone's blocked on their input. And especially now we're remote, now people can get blocked just needing a bit of help on something, but they forget to ask. So blocked app, when you create a blocker or flag something in Jira, it synchronizes, it sends out a Slack message, it sends out an email, it gives you a curated list of the blockers from most urgent to least urgent. Wow. It lets you filter on legal, see people blocked by us. Okay. So you see it just a, 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 the few things that you could do to fix that from, and then it gives you data around that, blockers in progress, the, the top causes of reasons blockers are last month and this month and that sort of stuff so um okay so the tools don't track the data i think have the biggest bang for the buck to improve i don't think the add-ons can do that because they would need to create new data that doesn't exist yet uh whereas i'm trying to sort of say Uh just send a slack message to this channel saying i'm blocked because and it will create a blocker email everyone and nudge them once a week, sort of saying, here's an urgent blocker, why haven't you fixed this yet? Yeah. <laughs> and that's the fastest thing you could do to, to nice. uh, decrease cycle time. So that's the sort of stuff I think our industry needs to mature into. Agile Grande teaches you systems thinking through dramatic storytelling, such as... Carter takes a job to improve a logistics company's adaptability, but efforts to scale agile practices are being blocked by Mr. Cherneski, a vice president who's organized the company into siloed pigeonholes in order to secretly make millions with a dark web shipping service. Carter's life is in danger. He goes underground and a spy agency hunts for him. When Carter uses systems thinking, systems modeling, and organizational change to save his company and his life, you get to learn how to apply that to your organization as well. Get your free copy of Agile Grande at leanpub.com. Are you enjoying the episode so far? would go with this episode really well that would be some show notes you've never heard of show notes you know if you're using a podcast player they show up right inside of your podcast player for easy tapping you just gotta scroll into it now if you downloaded this from a website Go back to that website and you will find on that webpage the show notes and there'll be links back to Troy's company, the link to Troy's repository of Excel spreadsheets for tracking metrics and all kinds of good stuff. So find those show notes and you will find that cool specific content. If you're enjoying this series and you're like my friend JT and you missed episode 167, which is the the first episode that kicked off the series with Troy McGinnis, go to your favorite search engine and type in Lancer Agile Thoughts Archive and you can find episode 167 there. Next episode, more Troy McGinnis. Before we turn... 
backlog items into software tools, people were a lot more inventive on how they track things like block. They put a sticky on there, they put a date, they may even put a trigger point, like if it doesn't get fixed by this time, we'll escalate, blah, blah, blah. Because people can do that. And then, and then you have spreadsheets probably because it's more adaptable for your work and you can make things and invent things faster than you can, you know, if you went and built it in software. Is that the problem? Is that the tools aren't flexible enough and we can't invent and they kind of suck right now. <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha.